Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine. With me today are two of my colleagues, actually my only two colleagues, <laughs> Jack Sullivan and Michael Jonas. We're going to talk today about uh, Charlie Baker and how he should be responding or dealing with Donald Trump and his administration. This is a controversy that a lot of people have been talking about, but it's really taken off at the Boston Globe with its fleet of columnists over there. Um, Shirley Leung has written two columns about this issue, urging Baker to take on Trump more actively. And her colleague Renee Graham uh, this week came out with another column that seemed to articulate that viewpoint pretty strongly. She said, Someday we will all be held to account for what we did during the Trump years. That day may come sooner for Baker if Massachusetts voters recall how their governor, in a time of unprecedented national crisis, avoided speaking out and standing up to that tired old man in Washington who thinks he was elected king. Then there are two other columnists at the Globe, um, Scott Lehigh and Joan Venaki, who take the other point of view. Joan Venaki's point was in a recent column, Competence, not, ideolo- not ideology, got Baker elected, and he's sticking with the formula. So you have two viewpoints there. Let's toss it around here and see what you guys think. Well, I, of course I have an opinion. Um, I, I, I honestly think that he's You acting, might have a couple of them. <laughs> really, one or two. But I honestly think he's acting like an adult. You know, I mean, it, I think what you see, the, the people who are, who are very upset... Um, are are the ones who oppose Trump anyway. So they want everybody on their side. They want everybody out there at the rallies. They want everybody to uh, um, tweet their uh, thoughts. And I think you have to take a look at what uh, Baker's position is. And and he has, you know, he he has come out, uh, number one, his vote itself. You know, he has said time and again that he didn't think Trump was qualified. He didn't vote for him. He wasn't going to vote for him. Um, You know, he supported... uh, uh, Attorney General Mara Healy's um, suit against the uh, administration, the executive order on uh, the immigration ban. I, I think about the only thing that he hasn't done is he hasn't stood on the podium down at the rallies. You know, he hasn't marched down Boylston Street. And and I think that that's kind of a disingenuous idea to think that he should be. I mean, I, I agree that I, in some ways it's a little unreasonable to think he's going to go join these protests on the common, but... I do think that uh, what some of the critics are trying to get at, and I think Shirley Leung used the term that you know he's he's playing the part of the technocrat here. That he's you know he he's saying you know the right things, but within a really narrow definition of what the right things are on the on the immigration executive order. I think his comments have talked about how you know disruptive it is to how things work in the state, the economy, our need for top talent coming in here. You know, so again, he brought it back to a very practical objection to what this means. And, and I think what she's saying is where was the outrage and where was the passion around uh, you know, this executive order that you know, a lot of people were saying just went against the grain of you know, everyone's heard the terms, who we are as a people, what the country represents, and Baker as is often the case, tried to sort of, I think, stay out of some of those big sweeping uh, ways of looking at it and sort of, you know, you know, mind his knitting probably in some ways. Uh, yeah, it is a difficult, uh, it's a difficult situation. You, you guys have probably had the same, same thing happen to you. I had a neighbor 
come up and talk to me about Trump. And she's, you know, just vehement that she's opposed to what he's saying, what he's doing. And she used all sorts of terms, you know, explosive terms to describe him. And I didn't respond that strongly. And she was angry, practically angry with me for, for not responding in that way. And I, I sort of think that what you both have said, that's what people are sort of responding to, that Baker's sort of cool on this. He's, he's not saying, yay, Trump. In fact, he's opposing him. But on, as you say, on a technocrat level, which doesn't satisfy people who see this as the end of times, practically. And, um, you know, I wrote something recently that said, you know, like Bill Belichick, do your job. That's what Charlie Baker should do. And You mean that Trump-loving Bill Belichick. <laughs> that trump In fact, that's a great point, Michael, because it's become a big issue. Not a big issue, but it's become an it issue. It's become with the, a big issue. Yeah, yeah with yeah. the Super Bowl that uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the Crafts are all on board with Trump. And the, the three dark horsemen. <laughs> right. And how can you... Uh, how can you root for this team? A lot of people feel that way. Another Globe columnist said she was upset and about their support for Trump. So it's it's this emotional thing that I think has a lot of people going. Well, I, th- I think part of it is that uh, Trump, uh, like Obama, uh, and I don't want to say they're they're two of the most polarizing people that we've had in the office, but but they've created polarization, you know, whether it's just by being Obama, you know, it, it polarized uh, people. And Trump himself, I mean, he's he's a bomb thrower. He's, you know, that's, that's what he does. That's what he wants to do. He wants to shake things up. So polarization has followed both of them. And I think that it's really created this, um, uh, this schism between sides that's, that's become more and more pronounced. Um, so that when people get, you know, like your neighbor uh, said, or, or when we're talking about Shirley, we're talking about um, Renee, people want somebody to take on their passion. They don't want Charlie to show passion. They want Charlie to show their passion. You know, and I, and I think that that's a lot of what's happening. And I think that happened with Obama as well. You know, if you, if you didn't denounce um, Hillary Clinton uh, when she was Secretary of State, or if you didn't denounce Obama, then you were complicit in Benghazi, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that's a lot of what's starting. But, but Obama didn't promote divisiveness and polarization like and again, that's Trump did. I mean, they're really, that's, I don't, and, and I that's think, what I'm not, I don't that, think that's they're what I'm at saying. all equivalent. Yeah. No, I, I think the feelings towards them are equivalent is what I'm saying, Michael. And I'm not saying that Obama himself was uh, polarizing. You know, it's like this um, trope that started that you know, he has set back race relations uh, for so many years. It's not that he's done He's done that. It's that people see it that way, and race relations in some people's minds have gone back, and have gone back because of the people who oppose Obama have taken that stance. Hey, Michael, you earlier this week sat down with Jay Gonzalez, who said he's going to run against, well, he's going to run for the Democratic nomination for governor. And his early remarks at least seemed to sort of indicate that he thought Baker was vulnerable on this issue with Trump. What was your take? Yeah, I mean, he I, it's clear that he is going to try to tie Baker to Trump. I thought he went a little overboard. I mean, some of his early talking points for that initial day of the rollout of the campaign were that uh, were that that Baker is actually a lot like Trump. And when he said that, I kind of 
did a double take because I can't really think of two Republicans who really seem more un- dissimilar in, in most ways. But, you know, he pulled out a few points. In, you know, one was that back, you know, I think a year and a half ago when uh, there was an in- this incident, a uh, terrorist attack, I think, in Paris in which one of the attackers was said to have been a Syrian refugee who'd made it through some checkpoint through Greece. And anyway, it, it led to this whole round of discussion around refugees that people may forget about, Syrian refugees that we had about a year and a half ago. And Baker was caught at that moment quickly reacting, saying, I'm not interested in refugees and they need to be vetted more clearly, you know, m- you know, more thoroughly. I mean, it sounded a lot like what Trump is saying now. I mean, and, and Baker took a lot of flack at the time for it. And, you know, part of the response was that the Obama administration said, we are vetting them really thoroughly. And so it came off like kind of a knee-jerk reaction, like he hadn't really done his homework. And, uh, you know, I think people said in his first year, that was one of, that got mentioned as one of his, you know, one of the sort of real slip-ups when everybody was, including us, were writing about how he generally had a pretty good first year. Yeah, uh, it was a moment where he kind of reacted quickly, and I think Gonzalez said he kind of, kind of retreated to kind of more sort of conventional Republican talking points. Well, he came at out that his, moment came out of his technocrat mode, you know. And, and well, except there was wasn't really technocrat because he hadn't really studied the fact that they were being vetted. It, it, it was not technocratic. That's it, what I'm saying. It, it was. It, it, it was, came out of that mode he, that he, he left that, that mode, and that he was, we say he normally is in, you know. And I think that, that he went was more the, ideological, and and he kind of wanted to lash out. No, we're going to keep them strong, keep them out. And kind of it, it seemed a little heartless. And the way Trump sometimes is like, I don't, you know, I'm caring about keeping people here safe. So Baker kind of went for that. I mean, the one thing I think is a little ironic is when you think about why he's sort of walking on eggshells with Trump, people have said, well, he has to worry, unlike, you know, Maura Healy or other people, he's the governor of the state. He's got to worry about a lot of things that we deal with the federal government on that we depend on them for. And, you know, if he angers Trump and sets him off in some way, um, you know, that that would really not be good for the state as a whole. And I've seen some arguments saying it hasn't stopped, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo in New York and other governors. They certainly have a lot riding on the federal government, too, but they're still speaking out. But I guess the one point you'd almost say in Baker's defense is, and then you say, is the president really going to be that petty and vindictive that he would do that? And I think actually go back and quote Charlie Baker himself. He said, this guy doesn't have the temperament to be president. So in a way, his reluctance to just let it fly is kind of him, again, restating, I think we're dealing with a pretty unstable guy there, and I don't want to do anything unnecessarily. I should be able to speak out and speak my mind, but I don't put it past this guy to to sort of mete out some punishment. Keep in mind, too, though, that, you know, Prior to Baker coming into office, there was some clout that that Massachusetts had down in Washington. You know, there was a Democratic uh, president, and we had a uh, Democratic um, governor who was very close to him. So there there was that connection there. And then prior to that, even though it was um, you know George Bush and um, in the office, and prior to him uh, Reagan, uh, we had Ted Kennedy. Um, you know, we've had Moakley, we've had Tip O'Neill. I mean, there's always been a conduit down there. Right now, Baker is the one that that really has to uh, mine that uh, relationship. Uh, we don't have, you know, we have a, a um, full Democratic um, congressional delegation, 
that tosses bombs at Trump whenever they have the opportunity. So that you know nobody's going to get any favors out of him, and it's it's really going to come down to uh, um, Baker getting those uh, you know those inroads and getting those kinds of uh, grants that we used to take for granted. So that sort of raises the question. I hadn't really thought about this, but are the Democrats acting irresponsibly, like Senator Warren, Attorney General Healy? Are they when they just go on the offensive? Are they jeopardizing things that we could get out of Washington? Well, I, I mean, they're partisan. There's there's no two ways about it. And um, you know whether whether they should moderate it some. I'm I'm not sure in this atmosphere that's going to happen. I mean, when you have the kind of partisan divide that we have, I think that's going to happen down there, especially the way that Warren um, took to uh, uh, Twitter during the campaign to you know do everything she could to provoke Trump, um, and and it worked. Um, but I think that you know th- there's there's always going to be this natural. Um, divide between you know the the Democrats and the Republicans anyway it's just that we didn't have we don't have anybody now that has that kind of cachet that that can cross the aisle that can reach across so whether they you know whether they um, moderate what they're saying and doing or not I don't think it's going to matter so Michael I was wondering what you think about um, uh, so this this sort of desire to have um, Baker be more passionate about this issue. I think it's also reflective of a bit of a larger issue um, about him in general. He is he is not. Uh, I think when he does sort of go off script, if you will, when he talks about the Confederate flag, that was some time ago. Exactly. Uh, these, these issues, he sort of gets in trouble, and he doesn't know, quite know how to respond when he sticks to fixing the tea. You know, reforming healthcare, doing these sort of um, weed whacking issues that he likes to talk about, he's in very comfortable. But do voters? Uh, there is something about voters want a little passion. They want to. They want to feel that they know this guy. Do you, do you think right. that is a problem for him? Well, I think potentially. I think in the context of Trump, it is. I mean, I think. I mean, when I wrote a profile of him after his first year, I actually took the view that he's a guy who sort of surprisingly sort of, you know, shows uh, his heart at times. But he kind of picks it in individual instances, talking to, about a story about a, a, a particular person. You know, I think he really can be moved. I heard him talk at a healthcare conference when he started talking about his mother, who was then, you know, suffering from Alzheimer's disease. And there was nothing phony about the emotion that he put into that. Uh, or, you know, you've seen him in other cases I uh, heard someone related a story to me at the time about him speaking at a ceremony for veterans at a cemetery. And I think those moments are genuine. But but I do think he's resisted uh, when you get into these issues that have some real emotion attached to them. I think he, you know, he, in this case, he's really held back from sort of uh, responding to what people say are the real uh, kind of fundamental issues that the whole Trump thing is stirring up, and he's, you know, just sticking to the practical issues around the immigration thing and not talking about, you know, what does this say about us as a welcoming people, as a country of immigrants? And, and you know, I think there is a question of, of uh, I don't know, does that sort of catch up with him over the next two years? Or never mind this, I mean, two weeks from now, we're going to be on some whole other 
topic that Trump has brought up. We don't can't even imagine what it's going to be. But I think that's sort of politically the issue is that I don't, you know, it may be that we look back and these first couple of weeks are going to seem just aberrant in terms of the number of things. But in general, I think the stuff's going to continue to come up and, and he's going to be facing them in a way that, uh, I mean, I wrote a piece a few weeks ago saying as much as he claimed neutrality in the race, I think Hillary Clinton's election would have been far better for Charlie Baker. And I think this is kind of the nightmare that in some ways he worried about uh, having to sort of constantly be answering for for what uh, what Trump is doing. And uh, I mean, I saw that Politico had a story just today or yesterday about Trump and the Republican governor of Maryland, another blue state, both in this uh, bind. And they quoted John Walsh, the former state Democratic Party chairman, who said, uh, I think Charlie's going to try to dance through the Trump thing, said Walsh. And, but then he added that Baker is, quote, not a good dancer. So, you know, I, again, he's throwing sort of a partisan bomb there, but suggesting that, you know, he's not always that artful at, at navigating uh, or, or threading this needle. I don't know. Right. What, what do you guys I, think I, is going to happen? I think that's kind of hopeful on John Walsh's well, part. Yeah. I, think, I think Charlie showed that he, he can dance. He learned how to dance, right. you know, between... Uh, 2010 and 2014, he learned how to adapt. He, you know, granted, it's uh, you know it was the thinnest margin of victory in our lifetime uh, as far as uh, governor goes. I mean, you had said earlier, I think it was 40,000 votes. Something like that was the difference. Uh, but he also is still a very popular governor, you know. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure that um, a President Trump is going to impact a gubernatorial race in two years the way that it might. Uh, impact, say, the uh, Senate race. Um, you know, I, th- I think in Massachusetts, people can and do keep that separate. Uh, and, and I don't think that it's going um, it, to, I don't think people are going to hold it against him that, you know, he didn't march, he didn't uh, shake his fist, um, he didn't lower the flags at half, ma- at half staff because of some decision. You know, I think that, uh, you know, people are going to look at it and say, what did Charlie do for the state? And, and I think that that's how they're measuring him right now. Well, and I think both, not just what he did for the state, but I think it will be on the substance when there were things that Trump did that people find objectionable or that he might. Does he take action and speak out, even if it's in his uh, more technocratic Charlie Baker way? You know, does, yeah. does he do that or does he kind of run from, from the issue? I, as we're talking, I do feel like, Jack, he does have... Uh, it, it's a it's a function of being a Republican in a heavily Democratic state. So he's got, as people have often said, he's got to walk this fine line. But, you know, like, I, I can envision this going on for quite a long time with Trump, maybe for four years. And, you know, you have the Supreme Court nominee that's going to come up. You know Baker's going to be asked about that. And already, even though everybody, you read about this guy, that he's conservative but a solid jurist, he was unanimously appointed a federal judge by, affirmed by the Senate. So it looks like his path is fairly well set, but already people are, there's going to be a major fight over this, I think. And again, I don't know that you can always just sort of thread the needle and say, um, it again, is this comes down to this emotional stuff. If you go into the voting booth and you don't connect emotionally with that candidate, that they're on your side, they're looking out for your interests, you don't always think, well, he's, he's going to work that, work that green line really well. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Charlie's selling point, that he's working on nailing down the nuts and bolts of state government. 
But that emotional appeal, it could be a problem for I, I think I disagree with that, though, Bruce. I mean, I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but I think I disagree with the, that lack of the emotional appeal, like Michael was talking about earlier. I think he has hit that note a few times, not only in the things we talked about, and whether you believe the story or not, there was the story about the fisherman that, you know, brought him to tears, um, you know, about his uh, other members of his family, um, you know, his the commercial that he did with his brother who was gay. You know, I think he does connect, and, and I think he connects on on a local level, and I think that's what people are looking for. I think that they can and will separate it. What I think I see with, with uh, Governor Baker is that he's the adult, and I think that that's what people are looking for. You know, when, when it all comes down to it, you know, kids yell and scream. The adults are the ones that take care of business, and I think that that's what you're seeing right now. So it sounds like we started out on agreement, but now we, of course, we ended up with a disagreement <laughs> at the end. I, I think I'm sort of leaning at the end of this that thinking that this emotional thing is something he's going to have to, well, you're not saying he won't have to grapple with it, but I think, uh, I don't know if Trump becomes so divisive, I don't know if they'll say, well, he's the adult in the room, so I'm going to go with him. That's, and of course, it all depends on his challenger and all sorts of other things, but I think it is, I, I'm more willing to say it could be a problem for him, but I still say do your job, Charlie, and, and everything will work out okay. Uh, anything else to add? I think we've left Michael speechless. If not, uh, we'll, we'll close it there. I was going to say go Pats, but that's kind of a, that's a controversial <laughs> statement. And, and, and you know, I'm feeling a little conflicted. If you like, say go well, Pats, you're saying go Trump. Well, yeah, that's where I just want to be on the record, uh, you know. Uh, someone I was talking to when I sort of shared, I said, I don't know, maybe I'm leaning a little more toward the Falcons. They said, no, but you could root for one of the Patriots players who said if they win, he won't go Watch to the White House. <laughs> so you could say you're rooting for him. Uh, <laughs> so there's even some division within, within Patriot Nation, even on the team, it seems. Good point, good point. With that, uh, we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye to you until next week. As always, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. And we look forward to seeing you next week. On the floors of Tokyo, oh, down to London town to go go. Oh, with the record selection and the mirror's reflection, I'm a dancing all with myself. Oh, when there's no one else inside, in the crowd and lonely.